Put God first. Your presence in their lives gives them validation. Our children don't need us to be superheroes. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Men, stand up, be fathers. Welcome to the Inspired Legacy Podcast, Season 1, Episode 14. I'm Mark Henderson, your host and founder of the Inspired Legacy. Our mission, to celebrate fatherhood, equipping men to lead boldly, love like Christ, and leave a lasting legacy. And like I've mentioned on the show before, to leave any kind of a meaningful, lasting legacy, you need to make an impact on somebody's life. And I cannot think of a more effective way to impact a child's life than being a youth sports coach. Now, I know uh, a lot of you may have kids who aren't into sports. That's totally fine. I can respect that. But before you tune out and delete this episode, consider that sports are a microcosm of life. I think that's why so many people love their sports, because so many lessons learned on the field can be translated and applied to life, young or old. So again, if your child isn't into sports, that's fine. But I really would encourage you to let them give it a shot, at least for one season. But to those dads who do enjoy sports and dream of having their kids play someday, or maybe your kids already play, then this episode is definitely for you. Today, I invited my friend, my longtime friend, Andy Traub on the show. Andy and his wife of 13 years have three kids, and Andy is one of the most committed dads that I know. And I've seen this commitment really come alive the past few years as I follow Andy on social media and see his uh, that he's helped his oldest son really develop a love for the game of baseball. But Andy's not merely cheering from the stands, although if that's all he could do, there's nothing wrong with that. Andy has stepped up and volunteered to coach his son's team, and he's done this for several years now. And during this time as a, a, a youth sports coach, again, for his son's team, Andy has developed some proven methods of helping his son and other players on the team identify the many emotions that surface during and after a game, in particular, the feeling of frustration. Uh, He's helped them identify these emotions early and turn them into positive energy, helping them learn and grow personally from the sports that they've all come to love. The concepts that Andy touches on can help, I think, any parent coach of any sport step up their coaching game and leverage the privilege that coaches have to build up their players and really help them discover their full potential as both athletes and individuals. And before I cut over to my interview with Andy, (laughs) I need to apologize in advance. I made a rookie mistake and forgot to put my phone on do not disturb mode when I was recording this call. So somewhere in the back half of this recording, you're going to hear my wife try to call me not just once, but twice. And it comes through as a mildly disruptive tone as Andy is trying to speak. I don't think Andy was aware of it at the time, but it certainly made me cringe when it happened and I I knew I wasn't going to be able to edit it out. So anyway, fair warning. I hope you'll still be able to enjoy this conversation with Andy Traub. Andy, welcome to the show. How are you, man? I am well because I'm talking to my old friend. Uh, I don't know. How old are you? (laughs) <laughs> 43 i'm just kidding 43. Oh, you're not that old if you're old then i'm old too no i'm talking to you man so it's great to hear your voice and 
um, I'm honored you'd, you'd uh, ask me to be on. Well, I'm I happy hope, to have I hope, you. I hope and believe I'm going to help some people today. So, I believe you will. I believe you will. I'm excited to dive into the top today's topic. Um, I think it it's one that a lot of dads will find interesting, and one that um, I think just about any dad listening can relate to in some form or fashion. But we'll get to that here in a minute. Um, but yeah, glad to have you on the show. For those of you who don't know Andy, Andy and I do go way back, so we are old friends, my my friend. We are. We are. Gosh, it's been probably 10 plus years since you lived. Definitely. You, you lived yeah. in Sioux Falls, South Dakota back in the day, and we've been in Bible studies together, and we've hung out together, and and then you decided to move. What the heck? Sorry. I got tired of freezing my blankety blank off. I know. I don't blame so. you. All right. But again, for those of you who don't know who Andy is, Andy, um, just take a, a minute here and just kind of tell us who you are, what you do outside of today's topic, and help us get to know you a little bit better. Well, first, if you don't know who I am, you're totally normal. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why people know who I am. Uh, but I am a uh, father of three kids, uh, 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 7-year-old. Uh, my 9-year-old will be 10. Um in a couple of days, uh, and boy, girl, girl, uh, my oldest is way into baseball. Uh, my middle daughter is uh, way into anything musical and ballet. Uh, she's at a Greatest Showman uh, camp this week. They're doing some Greatest Showman. If you haven't seen that movie, you're not a good father. <laughs> Take your daughters. Oh boy, uh, it's not a joke. I haven't seen it. Yet. Uh, and uh, you're not a good father. <laughs> and uh, my youngest is—I don't know. My youngest is funny. That's all I know about her so far. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 13 years, uh, and she's from South Dakota. Yeah. And I moved there, I moved there, gosh, 13, 14 years ago. 14 years ago, yeah. I uh, met her on the second day I lived there and uh, was was not immediately in love because my heart had been broken. I just came off a, a broken engagement. I was a month from being married, and we call off the wedding. And that jacked up my life enough that I wanted to like move to a different state. So I did. <laughs> I moved from Michigan to South Dakota uh, and uh, started my life over there. Worked in ministry for a few years with high school kids. Became a Christian through a ministry called Young Life. Worked with them for several years. Uh, and then I, I worked for myself for the last 11 years, just doing lots of different stuff involving technology and social media and helping people build their platforms and now I split my time between working with a company called Growth Tools, uh, and we create uh, free online tools to help people grow their business and also offer some online training for folks. And I do my own stuff. I help people kind of grow their online platform through some one-on-one coaching. And I uh, love to be on a baseball field. My youngest daughter plays baseball as well as my oldest son, so love to do that. Um, and uh, I have a great life. I live in Spring Hill, Tennessee. I live right uh, right off of Saturn Parkway, and the reason they call it Saturn Parkway is because all the Saturn cars in America were made in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Oh, I did not uh, know that. There's a, there's a GM plant uh, a mile from me where they make a lot of cars, uh, and this town had about 7,000 people in it about 15 years ago, and now it has about 42,000. So it has wow. quadrupled in size in 15 years. So I love my cul-de-sac life. I'm like the least exciting life in the world. Like if you watch my Instagram, it's like, Hey, here's me playing wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac again. So, uh, that's, that's, and I'm okay with that. So 
Yeah, but man, that's what I've that's what I've always loved about you. It's just you're you are chest deep in fatherhood and you you just own it. You love it. And I think that um because of that, you know, you've gone all in on your kids um interests, specifically baseball, which is kind of what's led to today's topic. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that today. Yep. Yeah. So I know your your son, your oldest is is a baseball fan and, and player, and it sounds like your daughter is as well. And that's kind of led you down the path of like coaching. And it sounds like you've sort of uncovered a need to help equip dads to be better coaches. So tell me about that. It's, it's iCoachMyKid.com is what we're talking about, right? Yeah, iCoachMyKid.com, which uh, is a place for you to go right now. I just have one guide there, but it's how to help your player or son or daughter, whoever that is, if you're a coach and it's not your kid, but if it is your kid, whether you are their coach or not, really, if you know an athlete that gets frustrated and it hurts their performance, which is basically every athlete, then I have a process uh, and then the guide on there is just a discussion guide on how to have a conversation with your you know, player or son or daughter and, and help them go from frustrated to focused. So when my son gets frustrated, his performance suffers. And so he's self-aware enough to know that I say, if I say, are you frustrated right now? I'll say, yes. And it's usually after he's made a mistake or, you know, hasn't gotten hit or something like that. And what we, what we helped look, what we helped figure out together was when he's frustrated, his performance suffers tremendously. And so what I've taught him, and you can learn about it by just reading that guide. It's super simple. If there's a process that you can go through mentally to say, I'm frustrated, that happens naturally. Like, you can't say, I'm not tired. Like, you're either tired or you're not. But what do you do when you feel frustrated? And how can you turn that frustration, which is just energy, mm-hmm. uh, it's a feeling, how do you turn that into focus? And so he, he recognizes when he's frustrated. And instead of getting unfocused and distracted and looking to the past, what he does is he turns that looking backwards. Instead, he looks forward. Uh, instead of negative thoughts about what he did wrong, he starts to think positive thoughts about what he's going to do next. So he goes from thinking about the past and sucking, <laughs> you know, not being good, to thinking about what he's going to do next and how he's going to do it better. And this all happens, you know, in a matter of 10 seconds. Sure. On the field. But this is just a conversation. And so my, I'll ask my son, uh, or he'll be on the field and he'll make a mistake or he'll strike out or whatever. And I'll just say frustration. Or are you frustrated? And he'll go, yes, which is okay. Mm-hmm. But he knows when I ask him that, okay, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Right? What yeah. are you going to do with that? And, and, so, and, and so he, I don't have to tell him, get focused, get focused. I just say, are you frustrated? And he'll go, yep. And so that's his trigger to get focused. And that's something that I talk about there. And I'm just working on more and more resources and really practical things. Uh, you know, I'm not like a certified coach. I'm looking at getting to some of that, but you know, I'm not the most analytical baseball mind on the planet, but I love my kids and I have YouTube and uh, a baseball club and Amazon. And so I am fully equipped to be a coach, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, and it's, if you care about kids uh, and you're willing to be patient and teach them the basics, then you can be a coach. And we need more coaches that know less about the sport, but know know more about how to how to how to love kids, how to reach kids, yeah, uh, how to communicate with kids. Then we do uh, more coaches who just are really good at sports, but but are jerks or sarcastic or mean or whatever. And there's there's plenty of those. 
So that's my passion. My passion is less coaches who people go, well, yeah, he's a jerk to the kids, but they win. Um, Then I don't want him to be my kid's coach. And there's too many people that sort of go, well, that's just, you know, you got to, you got to put up with that, you know? And I say, no, you don't. There's, there's plenty of people out there that are, are good. And if there's not, then you be the coach. Yeah, man, this is, I, I misspoke earlier. Your program is really geared to anybody who's a coach, but I'm kind of looking at all of this through the lens of fatherhood. And so, and I know a lot of dads yeah, who coach that, their that's kids. Yeah, that's who it's first. Yeah, that's who it is first. But I hope that, you know, if you have a, if you have a coach that you think could use some encouragement, you could send them to iCoachMyKid.com. And even if they don't, most coaches do coach their own kid, though. I mean, that's the other part of it is yeah. most coaches have their own kid at some part of the process. But, yeah, I mean, I'm still working out some of the identity of the mission, but primarily the problem I'm trying to solve, if you can hear my voice, I'm trying to solve the problem of dads who don't feel confident that they really are and can coach their kids effectively uh, and or by doing that, solving the problem of coaches who are just jerks or just don't know how to talk to kids in a way that's effective i.e. their performance improves, but they're not berating them. They're not belittling them. They're not shaming them, right? Yep. Uh, because that's where we go because it's easier to go there. Yeah. And it's I... easier to say, you know, fine, quit, be lazy. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's one way to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's another to look at my son and say, Samuel, you're better than that. You know you're better than that. I know you're better than that. You can do it. Right. Yeah. That that's the exact. He just did the exact same thing, but I chose a different response. And so that's that's what I'm trying to do. Is I'm trying to equip dads, trying to empower them to say, "I can do this. I can coach my kid." Well, it's so important and so needed because I I've got older kids, as you know, and they all played sports. And yeah, they were good too. Well, they were decent on every single sport, and they played a variety of sports and. Through the years, yeah. every single sport, every single season, there was always at least one or two parents, usually the dads, who were way too extreme in how they uh, supported their kids. And it's usually because they're living yeah. vicariously through their kids. It's like you can just see, oh, that dad was probably a stud back in the day, and now yeah. he, he can't play the game anymore, so he's living vicariously <clears throat> through his son or child. And he jumps down their throat every time they make a mistake. And I, again, I've seen that in every single sport all through yeah. junior high and high school. And it's like, man, you're missing the point of why the kids are out there. Yeah. They, there's a, I, I don't want to disagree with you on your own show, but let me add a little nuance. To that, yeah. Maybe. Like I think there's some dads who they're not living vicariously as in they want us to see, succeed at the sport. I think when dads, and it's primarily dads, when they really jump, I'll say we, when we really jump on our kids, and I've done this, and I'm not coming to you that my hands are clean, I'm guilty, there's blood on my hands, right? I'm guilty. <laughs> when I get really upset at my son or daughter, what I'm frustrated by, first and foremost, is if I'm really being honest, that uh, how it reflects on me. Like, I feel like they're embarrassing me. Mm. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? You're better, like, I'm embarrassed for them, with them, whatever. Like, I, it, and that's selfish. It's not about me. Yeah, that's definitely an aspect so of it. I'm not trying to relive some old glory. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say, I know what you're capable of. Uh, you're better than that. But the other part of that is uh, we, are, we have the, the privilege 
to sit on the other side of the fence and just watch them perform. And it's so easy to find stuff they do wrong because the nature of sports is mistakes, right? Like I'm old enough to remember when Chris Weber played for Michigan, the dude's retired from basketball. He's probably the NBA hall of fame by now. I remember when Chris Weber played at Michigan, this is probably early nineties or mid nineties. And he called timeout when they didn't have any timeouts left in the NCAA finals. And they basically lost because he called timeout. That guy made a mistake. That guy's a Hall of Fame basketball player, and he's mostly known because he made one mistake. And my point is, as dads, we just get way caught up in what our kids are doing wrong. And I would just say fundamentally, no one has taught us how to talk to our kids. Yeah, We just do what comes naturally. You're doing something wrong, I'm going to scream at you through the fence, you're doing something wrong. Instead of talking to them after, and this is what I teach my players, my parents, is uh, by the time we get to the game, you can't coach your kid. It's too late. Yeah. You coach during practice, they play the game, right? So you're just there. Like If they don't understand it by the time they're at first base, how to go from first to second, you, you know, it, it's too late. Mm-hmm. So that's the other part of it. If parents just, and this is what I, was my mission, I want to teach parents how to talk to their kids in a way that they get the results they want and their kids don't feel like horrible and the dads don't embarrass themselves in the process. Yeah, I, and I think that it's key for for us to do that to, like you said, to remember that they're going to make mistakes, especially as they're younger. They're learning how to play the game. Every play, yeah. every down, every time they touch the ball, they're they may be doing something unique for the very first time. They're experiencing yeah. uh, things, and for, it's hard. It is hard, yeah. And so they're going to make mistakes. So you just got to accept the fact that that's part of it, and that's going to happen. So what can we yeah. as dads and coaches say? that will acknowledge the mistake, but help them learn from it and do it in a constructive way that it's going to, you know, reinforce their, help them build self-esteem and confidence so that they believe them in themselves and, and maybe won't do it again. I have to ask myself, what's the goal of what I just said, or I'm about to say, because guess who knows that they struck out my son who just struck out. Yeah. (laughs) I don't need to remind him. You need to swing the bat. And he already feels bad about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, would you at work, you know, you screw up at work. You know, you're, you're the, the person you sit next to at work doesn't get sale on the call. You know, they're on, a, they're on a phone call and you're in sales and they don't get the call. They don't get the sale. You, would you turn in and go, Mike, you didn't get the sale. Like Mike knows he didn't get the sale. Right. Like, we don't need to pour on him. Right. That's not helpful to Mike. He's like, thanks, you know, genius. So part of this is how do we talk to our kids in a way that works? And how can we change the culture? And it is a culture that has problems of uh, it, there's so much pressure on kids. They're not enjoying sports. And I did not have that pressure. I was allowed to just play sports. Yeah. Right. Uh, because I never compared to myself to some kid in California because I didn't have Instagram or Facebook. You know, I just, my dad was just like, go play baseball. Yeah. And have fun doing uh, it. And I'll be back. I'll be back in three hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. A world. It's and you bring up a good point too that I think that because of um, the negativity that some coaches can bring and some um, parent supporters can bring into the equation, you know, we push our kids so hard, we point out their flaws, like we've talked about, uh, and we do this, you know, over and over throughout this, you know, through the seasons. That by the time they get to the age where maybe they do have a shot at 
you know, getting a scholarship or something like that. By that point in time, they're burned out because we've pushed them so hard. And I can tell you, I can tell you the problem, kids, uh, because of their parents. You know who doesn't yell at the umpire? Uh, like kids whose parents don't yell at the umpire. You know who does yell at the umpire? Kids whose parents yell at the umpires. You know, oh, it's never a strike. Why? Because the parents are like, it's never a strike. You know, I mean, it's, they learn from us, right? And so you cannot expect your child to be better than you. You just can't. If you're going to sit there, you know, four inches from the fence and yell at the umpire, then, yeah, you're, you're teaching your kid to have a hissy fit when they watch a third ball stri- or, you know, a third strike. Or it's like it's just it, it, it's, the apple does not fall far from the tree, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I want to empower and equip dads uh, specifically to feel like I, I can handle this. I can help my kid get through this because, Mark, at the end of the day, I want my son to do two things. Number one, I want him to play to his potential. Right? I want him to be as good as he can be. But two, I want him to enjoy it. And if your goal is only number one and you forget number two, then you'll get a great athlete. But they won't enjoy it, you won't enjoy it, and they'll probably burn out. Yeah. You know, that's a great point because they do have to enjoy it because they're not getting a paycheck, so they've got to do it for the enjoyment. It's a sport. It's a sport. It is. It's a sport. Like, it's not a job. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Like, I have to stop and remind kids, like, guys, you're on a baseball field right now. Like, this is a, this is fun. And if you're not having fun, and like, I also tell kids this. Just, I'm not all happy-go-lucky. Like, I'll say, hey, kids, guess what? Uh, I want you to have fun today. And they're like, great. And I go, guess what's fun? And they're like, what? And I go, winning. Right? <laughs> yeah. So so win. Right? That's the other part. I want them to win. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Which is why the really the only time that I will, um, you know, I'm not I'm not negative with my son or any of my kids, but if I sense that they're not giving it all they've got, that's when I think it's it's okay to point that out. Like, you, you, I think you left something on the field there. Would you agree? And if they're not putting forth 100 percent of their effort, then yeah, like you said, then they're not going to win those games. And if they never win games, then they're not going to find the enjoyment in the sport, most likely. So the two kind of go hand in hand. Or if they lose, or if they lose, and you ask them, you know, what could you have done? Do you feel like you put forth your full effort today? And they go, yeah. And you go, okay. Then be proud of yourself. Yeah. You know, do you think that other team was better than you? Yeah. Okay. I agree. They were. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, do you think you could have beat them? Yeah. If they played really bad. Uh, Yep. Did they play bad? No, they played good. Okay. Well, then we lost. I mean, that just happens. But I've also learned, I've also learned that when I want to say something, I should probably ask something, right? So when I want to give some advice, I should probably just ask a good question. Sure. Right. Like, so after the game, instead of saying, let me tell you the six things you did wrong, uh, you know, sometimes I can just say, what do you feel, what do you think you did well today, bud? You know? Yeah. Okay. We'll go through some things. What do you think you could have done better? Yeah. Well, that's just, you know, that's just part of good parenting there. Just like coaching is just asking good questions because no kid wants to be lectured to all the time. And sometimes he'll start getting real negative, specifically my son, because my unit starter is just happy to be on the field. Is It's just not that competitive yet. Like, uh, we'll get in the game, and he'll start talking about this or this, and I'll go, buddy, let's not talk about the game. Like, let's, let's just not. Or I'll say, we're going to talk about the game until we get home, but as soon as we pull in the driveway, we're done. 
We're not going to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously that's after a loss, after a win, you want to keep talking about it. But, uh, you know, we put boundaries around it, you know, uh, because it doesn't help to dwell on the negative. It just, you can learn from it, but you got to go, what, what are we shooting for? Yeah. So that, that's the other thing is it's, you, it, it's okay to say, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> There's nothing constructive that's going to happen. You yeah. Know? Well, uh, certainly not immediately after a loss anyway. It's like you just let them kind of uh, be in the moment and kind of process it. And then maybe later in the day, you can circle back and say. Uh, I've heard I, I've heard some, some really great advice from other people who said that the best thing you can say to your kid after a game is, I'm proud of you. I love watching you play. Yeah. If they stunk and they lost or whatever, it's like, hey, that's stunk, man. And I'm sorry. Uh, but just know that I'm proud of you and I love watching you play. You know, well, I sucked today and I was horrible. I still love watching you play. I still would rather you stink and be on the field than not stink and be off the field. Yeah. You know, as long as you're trying, and, uh, I would, is, is what I would yeah, add to that, too. Yeah. 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 And again, if they're not trying, then you can just say, you know, why do you, why do you, why do you think you guys didn't win today? And how do you feel about your performance? And what are you proud of? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, there's, there's probably something in there they're proud of. And maybe it's, I sat to bench the whole game, but I was very encouraging to my team. That was my son's all-star experience this year. He, he didn't play one defensive uh, pitch. He just batted three times or four times, and that was it. Now, he ran a few as a pinch runner a few times. It was a very frustrating experience for us in All-Stars this year. And, you know, you, you would think All-Stars is the pinnacle of the year. But for us, it was the most frustrating, you know, three weeks of our year for the sport. And we, we learned a lot of lessons through that. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick second here and tell you about my free parenting guide called Nine Ways to Be a Better Dad. In more than 23 years of being a parent of both boys and girls, I have learned a ton of lessons. Of course, hindsight is always 2020, but looking back, I now know exactly what worked and what didn't, and I want to share these lessons with you. I have compiled nine game-changing parenting tips backed by biblical truths that will help you and your kids focus on three critical areas of life, principled living, strong and healthy relationships, and discovering true purpose. You can download a PDF version of this free guide by visiting theinspiredlegacy.com slash join. Again, that's theinspiredlegacy.com slash join, or look for the link in today's show notes. Either way, guys, be sure to get your free copy today. We learned a lot of lessons through that. So talk about uh, that a little bit. What, what kind of lessons do you think your son learned from that? Well, I think one primary lesson is you learn if a coach is is coaching for development or winning. Sure. And coaches can coach for whatever. It's not One is not right or wrong, but you have to know going in, and you should talk to your coach about this. Are we going to put the best nine kids every single time, every single pitch, uh, or are you going to play all the kids so they can all get better? Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask that question. Yeah, that know? can be a stark difference. And, and it, it's, a, it's a total. And you know what? It's fine. It's fine, but I want to know that. I want to know that. You know, yeah. Uh, and I think if you've got an all-star team, uh, that y- it's a decision you got to make. It's a decision you can make in a regular. But here's my here's my thing: is at that age, my son's eleven. I think you should really still be in the developmental focus. 
unless it's some, you know, end of the year tournament and blah, 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 that, you know, like everything's riding on it. But even in that, like, I just think don't ask kids to be on the team if they're, if they're not going to play. I got I just think that's, it's, uh, it's an expectation, uh, that, you know, the kids do not want to be on the team to not play. I, I just being up, you know, it's that crap where people say, I just appreciate being nominated. No, you didn't. You wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it's, and so I think that's understanding if a coach is really saying, I, I, I if you're going to develop all the kids, you have to get equal. Your best player has to sit sometimes, you know, it's, that's just, and, and at this age, I believe that you should be developing all your kids. And if you lose sometimes, you lose sometimes, but that's not, the goal is not to win all the time. Yeah, I totally some agree. Coaches would say, some coaches would say, well, that's not how I coach. I go, that's fine. But you need to be very clear about that with parents. Because then they're not going to say, why isn't Timmy playing? Well, cause, and here's the thing, Mark. My son was just as good a fielder as the kid who played every single pitch on defense. All right? He's probably a little worse but like by like 5%, not by like. And yet the other kid played 100% of the time. And so what that tells me is he put the best nine kids out there, which is fine. But when your kid can't develop because they're not out there, you cannot get better at something you're not doing. <laughs> and so you can't get better in the game unless you're in the game. And so that's just that's a decision that they made. And they're allowed to make that decision. You can't complain after the fact. So that's my point is as a coach, as a dad, number one, as a coach, you have to communicate that with your parents. If you didn't, you didn't do your job. As a parent, you have to ask the question, uh, is my son going to, how much playing time do you think my son's going to get? And if they say, they need to be honest with you. And they need to say, he's going to run the bases and he's going to get one at bat each game because that's what he's required to get. But beyond that, I, I don't see him playing in the field. Okay. That's an expectation. Yeah. But we get in so much trouble when we have unclear expectations. And so what did we learn? We learned that every player has a role. But we also learned about communication and what's our priority as a family right now. And our priority as a family right now is not for my son to be on the all-star team. Our priority is for my son to play more. And if he's on a losing team but plays more, I'm actually okay with that versus being on a winning team and playing less. And he might disagree because he really likes being on winning teams. But when the difference is like twice as much playing time, you know, like – it's a huge difference. On a sing, on the same team, there are kids that had twice as many at bats this year as my son. And you know, great, they won the league champ. We won the league championship. I'm one of the coaches, right? But like, I would take us getting second or third or fourth or whatever out of five teams. You know, we're not talking about a bunch of teams. I would take not winning over, uh, you know, like, and him getting more playing time. Right. Again, these are just conversations you need to have. Instead of complaining about the coach after the fact, yeah, you know what I mean. <clears throat> I think it's a great reminder for any dad listening who um, maybe would like to coach someday, or maybe is a coach right now. That yeah, you've got to not only set expectations with your players, but the parents. I think. That's, oh my gosh, it's that's way key. more important with the parents. Yeah, absolutely. Way more important. Absolutely. Way more important. And, and I always ask the question: What did I? What could I have done better? And so I should have asked him. Well, will he not play any in the field? Okay, good. I need to be prepared for that, you know, uh, because our our head coach made the decision. No, he's not going to be in the field. I don't care if he's just as good or if he's a little. 
if he's a little worse, like he's not, he's not going to play. He's not even going to get garbage time. You know, we all know what garbage time is. Like game's over, doesn't matter. He's not even get garbage time. And I just that would help with my expectation because you can't be resentful of a coach when you didn't ask, right? And you can't be resentful of parents when you didn't communicate. Right. 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 That's not fair. So guys out there listening, yeah, guys out there listening who you know maybe your kids play on a team, uh, you got to put yourself in the coach's shoes and realize that you know, they're, they're probably focused on developmenting or developing the players as well. And they want to win just as badly as you want your kids to win. But if they've, if they've got to work through the rotation and put a, a player who's maybe not the best on the team, knowing that it could cost the game in a crucial point of the game, yeah, you know, they don't necessarily want to do that, but they, they need to develop all the players equally. And so that's just kind of the position they're in. So I think it's a, an important point. We're for talking parents to about, remember. For most of us, most of these conversations, we're talking about children. They're not even young men yet. Oh, young absolutely. Women. They're children. Yeah. Right? So my other part of this is, you know, how I, you're tall, Mark. How tall are you? I'm about 6'3". Six, 6'3". Three. Six, three. I'm 6'2", right? And I know you're tall because you like, we look eye to eye, and I don't look eye to eye to very many people, right? <laughs> and so, like, when did you grow the most? Um, I don't know. That's probably my uh, second half of high school. Yeah, me too. Guess who caught cut from the freshman basketball team? Me. Yeah. They're like, forget it, sport, right? But by my senior year, I was 6'2". It was too late, though, right? Like, forget I'm not. But now I'm a pretty good basketball player, right? I'm 41, but, like, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty good. Well, I'm 6'2", and that helps. Better mean 5'5", five, five or whatever I was, <laughs> right? And my point is, kids are still developing. And what's ridiculous is we're like, oh, they're a stud. Uh, he's nine, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, like. Versus that kid, they're worthless. Uh, yeah, because he's 10. He's still sleeping with a teddy bear, man. Just chill out. Like, I, And there's kids that are absolute beasts that I know, high school kids. They're getting scouted. And, and I said to them, how many home runs did you hit when you played on the field in Little League? And they go, oh, none. I couldn't hit. <laughs> I, couldn't, I could hardly hit it out of the infield, right? So how many coaches were like, ah, you know, t- Tommy, he can't hit it out of the infield. He's not going to play very much. Well, you know, maybe Tommy's going to be a stud, right? Like maybe, but you, but we don't know, and he's going to quit because you're not giving him positive encouragement, and you know he's not getting very much playing time. You know, like that's just to me, it's we give up on kids so early. Parents do, and definitely coaches do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are are you a coach or not? Because if you're a coach, then your job is to coach and help all the kids on your team improve. And if you're not willing to coach and help all the kids on your team improve, then just keep the ones you're going to coach and let the other ones go find someone who is going to coach them. And it's your job as a parent to go to the coach and just not be mad at them, but to say, help me understand this. And the coach needs to have an answer to that. that. That's how you can approach a coach and say, I know my son is not playing. Help me understand your thought process on that and help me understand what I can do to help him get better so he can earn that spot if he, if he needs to earn that spot. And if they say, listen, his abilities are fine, but his attitude sucks. Great, I'll work on his attitude. Or he just is scared when blah, 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 blah. Okay, thank you for telling me that. You know, like, but coaches should be able to say to a parent, here's why they're not playing. Right. It's okay to go to a coach and say, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. You're the coach. I want to understand why they're not playing and what we can do 
to help him play. But if they just go, he's never going to play. And it's like, the, why is he, like, the worst case scenario of this is you've got a stud freshman or sophomore, and they put him up on varsity, and they sit almost the entire season, where they could have been awesome and doing really well and get a ton of playing time as freshman, sophomore, or junior on, you know, freshman or JV team. Mm-hmm. Because that kid is not going to develop. That's stealing that kid's development. And baseball is so fascinating, Mark, because it's one of the few sports that you can, you can be the biggest stud in the world coming out of high school in, in the NBA. You know where you go? You go to the NBA. In, in baseball, you know where you go? You go to Topeka. Yeah. <laughs> you go to, you know, you go to Toledo, right? You know, you go to Sioux Falls. Like, they have a farm system. They work, they work kids, and they go, hey, welcome to the big leagues. You know, you're, you're going to Nashville. Uh, they don't have a major league team. I know, but you're going to Nashville. You know, they have a farm system. And I think an important thing to remember is all these people are developing. And they might make in the majors, but most of them won't. So let's develop their character. Let's develop their attitude. Let's develop their skills. Uh, let's just develop them as a person. And, and remember that, like, you may not win as many games, but, like, Kids do not remember wins and losses. They do not. They remember how coaches make them feel. Period. How does, how does your coach make your kid feel about themselves? Right? And I got the greatest compliment I've ever received as a coach last week. I run a sandlot league. So for three weeks at our local little league here in Spring Hill, Tennessee, we have a sandlot league where parents are not allowed to coach at all. And the coaches are not allowed to coach at all. For the first 45 minutes, we run a clinic. We do something super basic on some skills. But then the last probably hour and a half, hour and 50 minutes, the kids just play. They pick their own teams. They pick positions. There's a manager on each side, but it's all kids. Kids call balls and strikes. Kids call safe and out. If there's a conflict, they rock, paper, scissors to see, you know, who wins, right? Safe, out, safe, out, rock, paper, scissors. They rock, paper, scissors. You lose, you lose, right? That's the call, right? And, and I got the greatest compliment because during the training period in the beginning and then during the games, the parents can say things, but they can only be positive. Only be positive. And so I, I, I encourage these kids. And there's kids with huge variety of, of, of skill levels. And there's this one kid, uh, JR. He's a junior, so they call him JR. And I just said, hey, JR, you're doing a great job on this something. They're just offhanded. I don't remember what I said to him. But his mom emailed me and said, we have had a really difficult time with coaches in the last two years. And I can't remember the last time a coach complimented JR on the field. And you did tonight, and he remembered that, and he's having a blast, and he can't wait to come again. And what makes me so sad is two things. One, uh, he hasn't heard anything positive in two years. Yeah, that's sad. That's, a, that's appalling. That's appalling, right? Uh, and the second is it took a sandlot. It took a recreational, doesn't really matter, that for him to hear something positive. And what that tells me, and this is what I want to encourage Dad, we have a shortage of coaches. And you could say, you could add on to that with skill level and care about period. We, just, we have a shortage of coaches. And if you want to impact your kid and a bunch of other kids in your community, go be a coach. Andy, I don't know about blankety blank blank. I don't care. It's on YouTube. Every coaches, every league I've ever been a part of also offers coaches training. 
Now, I don't want you to be a bad coach. My son had two really bad basketball coaches this last winter, uh, really bad, because they did not run practice as well. He did not get better skills-wise. They were nice guys, but I want you to coach my kid. If he needs a mentor, I'll go get mentoring. I want you to coach him, right? And, like, these guys had never heard of YouTube, apparently, because, like, they didn't have just they'd never Googled how to run a practice well, right? So please run practice as well, but it's not that hard. It's just not. It's a ball going into a net or a basket or into a glove or over a fence. It's not difficult, Yeah. right? It's just really about maintaining order. Absolutely. It's about keeping them busy. Don't yeah. have them standing around a lot, right? right? But, but if you're frustrated by it, be the solution, right? Don't be a whiner. Don't complain. Be the solution to the problem. And I would say the last thing is do it as early as you possibly can. If you have a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten year old, you are qualified to coach them. You are qualified. Yeah, I would agree. And you have a vested interest. So you should get out on the field and help out. Absolutely. And one last bit of advice this is nuance, but if you have an assistant coach, have them coach your kid more than you coach your kid when you're coaching. So in baseball, I hardly ever give instructions to my son because I'm too hard on him. Yeah. And so I actually go to other coaches who are too hard on their kids and I'll say, let me, let me talk to him. Yeah. Because we're too hard on our own kids. Yeah. No, that's, so that's great advice. We'll do is we'll say, I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, tell Samuel, tell Samuel to, to, you know, get a bigger lead off, you know? And, and, and guess what? Newsflash. Uh, the, your kid will listen to another coach better than they'll listen to you. Amen. I was just going to say that. Yeah, they're going to be way more receptive yeah. to what they have to say than what comes out of your And mouth. your wife won't yell at you for being too hard on your kid because, <laughs> you know, she does that. Yeah. Because I am. Well, Andy, uh, I want to circle back real quick on one point you made um, before we wind down here. I know that, you know, the, the situation that your son was in on the all-star team didn't play a whole lot. I know that happens a ton and, uh, dads listening to this will probably have gone through the same thing with their kids or maybe will in the future. So to those guys out there who, um, find themselves in that situation where your, your kid is not getting play time and it's frustrating the heck out of them. And they're, it's to the point where they're not enjoying the sport. They're not learning anything. What can uh, a dad or a parent do to, you know, step in there and kind of fill the gap and help yeah. help turn that into a constructive, Man, positive environment we, despite we the fact learned, they're not playing? We learned so much through that experience. Uh, let me just go on a big old list. Number one is uh, coaches care about kids, a vast majority of them. Uh, the head coach who made the decision to not play my son, I coached them all year long. I know him. He loves Jesus. He's a great father. He's a great husband. He's a good dude. He, by that stage, he was not in the developmental stage. He was like, we're playing to win. I did not get clarity on that, and I should have. So first, don't demonize people just because your kid's not getting plenty of time. They're probably not evil. It's <laughs> probably not personal. Okay? Make that assumption. Assume the best. Second, seek clarity as early as possible like before the game starts, not during the middle of the game or after the game, right? Uh, third is I would say approach them with humility and ask what you can do. Like apologize and say, hey, I, I apologize. I didn't ask for clarity on this earlier. 
but it seems to me that my son or daughter is not going to going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, is that is that true? Like, do you see that changing for any reason? And it, and it, it just please be honest with me about that. And I'm not mad. I just I want to understand. And then I have a follow up question. They might they might probably going to go. Yeah, that's right. They're not going. Okay, what can we do to change that? What can she control? And hopefully, if the coach is worth two cents, they'll say, they need to work on this. They need to work on that. Okay, great. We'll work on that. Or do you have any drills I can do? Can they put in any extra work? Can you help them with that? Right? Like, those are things you could do, right, to, to, to improve the situation. The other is talk to your son or daughter and say, all right, you're not playing that much. What's your job on the team? It's not on the field because you're not on the field. <laughs> so what's your job on the team? And guess what? There is no job description on team that says, I'm the team moper. I'm the team complainer. I'm the team whiner, right? You know, I'm the guy that sits in the corner of the dugout and feels sorry for myself. That's not an assigned position, right? Maybe your job is to encourage kids that come off the field. Maybe your job is to always be calling the pitch count. 2-1, guys. 2-1. Play the first. Play the first, right? Maybe your job is to keep the dugout looking awesome. Maybe your job is to make sure that the next guy is ready. You know, Ryan, you're in the hole. Carson, you're in the double hole. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these things you can do, right? You know, I mean, maybe your job is to keep the other guys on the bench involved, right? I mean, I, maybe your job is just to ask the coach, what can I do to help right now? Yeah. Maybe your job is to warm up the right fielder. There's things you can do, right? Yeah, that's a really good point. And the last thing I would say is use it as motivation to get better. Like, I've told my son this. Hey, this sucks. He's like, yeah, this sucks. It's embarrassing. You get all the way there, you got the uniform on, and you're sitting on the bench. It's frustrating. It's embarrassing. So if you were 10% better, you could have been starting. And he knows that. He knows that. And so what are you going to do? Uh, I don't know. Be 10% better. <laughs> right? You know? And the last thing I would say is if you, if you truly don't jive with a coach, then go find one that you do jive with. And, and, and the bottom line is if your kid's not good enough to start and you need to find a coach that's willing to help them develop by playing, and, you know, you might find that, might, you might not. But I think at a certain age, every kid, kid should be playing uh, almost equal playing time if you're really about developing all the kids. Uh, but I, that, there's different schools of thought on that. Some people are listening to this and they say, Drop your pansy, and that's not how you win games, and that's not how you get better. And I go, huh? listen, I'm not, I'm not like a whatever kind of socialist. Or like, I think everybody should make the same amount of money and same product, same, same stuff. I'm not saying like, but you got to earn it, right? But my point is, at this stage of their development, and when my kid's 18, if he's not good enough to pitch, I don't want him to be out there getting rocked, right? But he's 11. He's 11. He's a. I don't. Maybe he'll listen to this. Maybe he won't. But. There's, there's a monkey that he sleeps with every night, right? Like, he's a stud. He's starting to get into girls. But, like, he's got a monkey he sleeps with every night. Yep. He's a child. Yep. Like, there's plenty of life left for him to develop. And so I'm trying to, as a father, help him develop and put him in the right situation to become the best player and person he can be. And that usually is not by sitting the bench. It's usually by playing and learning from his playing experience. That's where I'm landing. And the last thing I'd say is just take it year by year. You know, uh, sometimes if spending more money creates more problems. But we're going to change what he's doing in regards to baseball next year because 
we learned some things this year, yeah. you know? Uh, so just take it year to year and, and adjust. And if there's anything I can do to help, you know, reach out to me. Uh, my email is super simple. Just my first and last name at gmail.com, adtravelgmail.com. If there's a specific question I can answer, then, you know, confide in me. I'll keep it private. But I have a passion to help dads navigate all this stuff because uh, I don't, I still, these are things that people don't really talk about from my experience. Well, we'll be sure to get that email address in the show notes. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I do think that this topic doesn't get nearly enough coverage. And I think it's critical to develop our kids' self-esteem, their confidence. Kudos to you for stepping up and um, empowering that kid on your team and giving him some um, positive feedback because you probably just changed his entire year. I mean, honestly, if he hasn't received... I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. He probably feels 10 times better about himself, not only as a player, but as a person. And I think that's what sports can do for young kids, uh, especially the 10-year-old age range that we're talking about as they're developing and learning who they are and learning what they can and can't do. It's just so critical that as parents and coaches that we build them up and not tear them down and leverage the opportunities that we have. The the it's really it's a blessing to be in that position to help kids um, grow and develop into the the young it men is. and it's women. A privilege. Yeah, it's a it's privilege. A privilege. It is absolutely. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm coaching my son in flag football this fall. I'm excited to kind of put some of these things into practice. Um, I've I've coached him uh, for several years, but I I think I learned a couple things here, Andy. So I appreciate your time today. Awesome. One last question before we let you go. Uh, I think that you are you're leaving quite a legacy with your kids as you train them up and and coach them in baseball and and um, help them grow into adults like we've been talking about. So when you think of that in terms of legacy, uh, like we talked offline, I think everybody has an idea of what legacy means. A lot of traditional things come to yeah. mind, but when you pair it with the word inspired, and you talk about an inspired legacy. What does that mean to you? Yeah. What is your definition of an inspired legacy? Well, I think there's two things. One, I think that inspired, the first word I think of is uh, intentional. Um, to be inspired, inspirational implies that you were thinking about it. It's not an accidental legacy. It's an inspired meaning I put some thought into it. So one, just think about what kind of legacy you want. You know, when we don't think about it, we're just going to get what sort of comes to us naturally. And for most of us, that's not good, (laughs) you know. Uh, So inspired is uh, first think about it. Uh, And and second is, uh, I think, an inspired legacy um, is one that's honest. Like, I, I need and want my kids to know that my legacy is that I'm a really imperfect person who is very honest about that, but really was trying. So my legacy with my kids will be, man, my dad lost his temper way too quick, way too often. You know, he cussed sometimes. I saw him fight with my mom sometimes in front of us. And that was a little scary. Like they're going to say all this stuff about, man, my dad, this, my dad, this, like my dad did. My dad wasn't great with finances a lot of time. I mean, these are all things that are just true about me. Like, they're just true, right? But then they're going to go, but, man, he loved us. Yeah. Like, man, he loved my mom. Man, he was a great coach. Like, like it's going to be, these things were true of him, but these were also true, right? It's when we try to hide, like, that we're actually humans and we feel like, 
Uh, that's my excuse for not leaving the legacy. So your legacy is that you were awesome even while not being great at everything, right? Like my dad's legacy is mixed in that like, you know, he got really too angry too quickly. Uh, you know, he's a very faulted man, but his legacy, as I remember, is getting up really early before it, you know, the sun was up and coming home after the sun went down. His legacy is he lost his job when I was in college and he went and worked at Target for a while. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, that's his legacy, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so just remember, legacy isn't just the good stuff. Legacy yeah. is, in spite of who you are, uh, you're still great, right? In spite of who you are, uh, who, that voice in your head that says, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. In, in spite of that, you're still awesome. Because here's the thing, my kids need me to be awesome, because I'm the only dad they have. Yeah. And so I need, I need, I need to lead a legacy, you know, I'm, there's no substitute. Amen, man. Right. So, you know, that, that's what comes to mind. Hope that's helpful. I love it. I love it. Well, man, before we let you go, is there anything uh, outside of that email address that you left? Any, anything that people should know about in terms of where they can find you online and, and learn more about what you're up to? Yeah, I think, uh, just go to icoachmykid.com, download that there. Uh, the, and really, if you know other people that could benefit from that, just share it with them. That would be huge. I coach my kid.com, share it with them. Uh, and then like you'll get some emails from me from there and you can just always hit reply. And, you know, I'm addicted to email like most people and I'll respond. So let, let me know how I can help. Uh, that's, that's my passion. Very good. I coach my kid.com. Check it out. Andy, thanks again for your time, man. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks. Well, I enjoyed that, and I, like I said, took away a few uh, key pointers that I'm anxious to try out with my son's team this fall. If you guys got any value out of today's episode, please share it with a friend. And if you could take five minutes to leave a review on iTunes, I would be extremely grateful if you would do that. This podcast industry still very much revolves around the number and quality of ratings and reviews received in iTunes, so the more of those that I can get... Uh, the more I'm able to get this show in the hands and ears of other people who can benefit from our mission. Now, let's talk Facebook. I know that a lot of you out there, maybe not even on Facebook, or maybe you have an account, but you just simply avoid the platform altogether because lately it's just a cesspool of divisiveness, and you wouldn't be wrong in that assessment. In either case, let me make a plea for you to revisit Facebook. But instead of getting sucked into the vortex of your Facebook feed, simply focus on much more productive private groups, specifically our private group for the Inspired Legacy. Consider it a sanctuary within Facebook where you don't see any political posts, uh, you won't see people's vacation photos or uh, silly animal videos. Our group includes only the followers of the Inspired Legacy like-minded dads who are focused on keeping their acts sharp, so to speak, who are looking for encouragement and support, accountability, and spiritual growth. So if you don't get on Facebook for any other reason, again, log in to become a member of this group. And there's a link in the show notes of this episode for you to do that. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. And again, if you got anything out of today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share our message. Because when we work together to lift up fatherhood, we're going to change the world one dad at a time. Until next time, live inspired. Live inspired.